It's time to invite the kids to come on up front. Come on up and find a spot to sit. Feel free to bring somebody along with you if you'd like. Come on up. Keep coming. Find a spot. All right. Come on up. Good. All right. I have something to show you right away. All right. Up here I have a nest and a bird. So we're going to set the bird up. See if you can sit up there. There. The bird's sitting up in his nest. All right. Now I want you to think with me. What do birds eat? Worms. What else? Fish, mice, yeah, what else? Dogs. Not sure about that one. <laughs> Go home and do some research. Come back with your answer. We'll see. All right? So birds eat, eat lots of different things, right? Now, who provides this food for the birds? God does, right? God provides that. Yeah. How does a bird get the food? Does God just drop the food, boom, right there in his nest? Do the birds just sit in their nest and wait until their food shows up? How do the birds get their food? They have to go get it, right? So they have to leave the nest. They have to go get their food. So they have to work hard to get their food, right? They have to find those berries, and they have to find those fish and those mites and those other things to eat, right? So they have to work hard in order to get their food, right? There's a saying that says, God gives the birds their food, but he doesn't just throw it into their nest, Right? They have to go work hard in order to get their food so they can eat. Right? So even though God has provided food for the birds, they still have to go do hard work in order to, to get that, to receive it. Right? Is that the same for us as people or is it different? Does dad just sit at home and wait for a paycheck to show up? No, he has to go work hard in order to get that paycheck, right? In order to get the money that your family needs. Right? Does mom sit at home and just wait for food to show up in the refrigerator? No, she has to go work hard to get it, right? She has to go to the grocery store and get it, load in the car and all that good stuff, right? She has to work hard. So we too have to work hard, even though God has provided for us and provides for us, we have to work hard about that, hard to get that stuff. Now, how about for our church? God has provided, you've heard this, God has provided a new building for our church, right? So should we just sit around and wait for it to be ready to use? Will that work very well? No, what's it going to take? It's going to take hard work, isn't it? We have to do hard work in order to get that building ready, even though it was part of God's blessing, right? Think about our ministry, right? Now that we have a, a new building, can we just sit back and think that our ministry is done and there's nothing more we need to do? No, we still have to go work hard at the ministry that God has called us to. There's lots of ministry left for us to do. So these are things that we need to consider here at Pine Grove, right? God has provided for us. He's provided us a building, but it's not ready yet. We need everybody working hard, doing their part to get it ready. And our ministry isn't finished yet either. We need everybody working hard, doing the the ministry here that God has called us to at Pine Grove. And so we're kind of like this bird, right? God is providing for us, but we need to be faithful to the hard work that's in front of us. And guess what happens? What happens with the bird after he goes and he does his hard work to find his food and he eats? Where does he do? What does he do? Where does he go when he's done eating? He goes back to his nest, right? And his nest, therefore, is a place of rest after his hard work, right? And so he returns to a place of rest. So when we work hard at the things that God has for us, we also have time to rest. God provides that. And so when we work hard for the Lord and what he's Uh, calling us to do. We are blessed. We have rest, and God is greatly glorified in that. Isn't that great? So this week, you can think about how can I work hard at the things that God has for me, right? So if mom or dad asks you to clean your room, how do you work hard and do that for God's glory, right? Or if mom asks you to take out the garbage, right? How do you do that? How do you work hard and do that for God's glory. And when you do that, I bet there'll be times where you get to rest this week too. And God is glorified in those things. All right? So you can go back and have a seat. Pastor Jeremy's going to come up. All right. After a week of work, you get to come to church and hear a sermon on work. It's cool, right? So we are in uh, the book of Proverbs this morning. Uh, I'll be using several different text, but I'll read 12, 24, and 13, 22. 
Uh, so book of Proverbs 12, 24, and 13, 22. So during these few weeks, we're trying to consider biblically what does it look like to do this move well to God's glory. Jesus said, everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. And so in this building sense, well, we've been given much. And so more is going to be expected of us. How can we do this well? Um, So we want to consider God's eternal word in relation to our new building. Now, implied in those words of Christ that I just said is that of work. It's, It's implied in those words that we have to work. If you've been given much, much will be required. That much will be required implies more work. So God has given us much more, and now more work has been required. As Pastor Jeff said, our work is just beginning. When we get into our new building, uh, we, we won't have arrived. There'll be new avenues for ministry. There'll be uh, good work to do. And so what I want to do is encourage you to respond by faith uh, in work and ministry and not with faithfulness, faithlessness by hands off. So this is a sermon about the good gift of work. I believe all because of God's grace, our church is good at this. I, we're not necessarily a lazy church. I think we work hard. Lots of people help. We do this fairly well. And so I hope that this sermon isn't so much of a get off your duff kind of sermon, but uh, an encouragement to continue on in the trajectory you're going. That's my hope. Uh, if you are rebuked afterwards, that's your fault. Um, but mostly I want this to be a good encouragement to you. All right, so the text, uh, Proverbs 12, 24, and 13, 22. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. And then 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Let's pray. But your hands have made us and fashioned us. We ask humbly in the name of your Son that you would give us understanding, that we may learn your commandments. Give us grace to fear you so that we may know your testimonies. In your Son's holy name, amen. So uh, a bit of background before we get into this, a bit of background in the entire Bible. This shouldn't be too new of news to you. In Genesis 1 and 2, God worked. He created all things, and he did them over billions of years. I'm just kidding. Just see if you're paying attention. Six days, 24 hours. If you think you're billions of years, you're wrong, uh, and you've believed lies, and I, that's totally serious. It's crazy that you would think that. It's absolutely it doesn't make any sense. Um, it doesn't make sense scientifically. It doesn't make sense geologically. It just doesn't make sense. God created in six days, 24 hours, but he worked. He worked really hard. Uh, he did a good work. He said after each successive day of creation, it was good. And at the end of it, he looked over all of it. He pronounced a benediction of, this is very good. So God not only did work, he did really good work, very good work. And then he, on the last day, created mankind, set us in his work, and gave us a charge to work. Right? So he put Adam in the garden and, and gave Adam and Eve a job to work. That is, God created a garden in the midst of all his creation, and Adam and Eve's job was to expand the borders of the garden, having children who have children, who do good work, and bring all of creation under uh, subjugation, improving it, if you will, uh, by expanding it. And it was going to take a lot of work. So uh, the work was good, as a, it was a good part of creation. Now you and I, I think, sometimes get convinced that work was added in after Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 because of the fall. That hard work is a curse. It isn't. Hard work is a good gift of God before creation. Now, another way to say it is, in the new creation, in, when, when earth is remade and we dwell in it, there will still be work to do. Heaven isn't a, a physicalistness, ethereal, wispy, cloudy existence where you float around all day without any physical substance. It's, it'll be physical. It'll be earth. There'll be work. There'll be plumbing to do. Right? There'll be gardening to do. There'll be building to do. There'll be construction. There'll be, there'll be good work in the new creation. It won't be boring at all. There'll be challenges. There, there will be 
problems to figure out, that you're going to have good work in the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, and so what we're doing right now is learning how to do that then. Now, because of Genesis 3, because of sin, because of the fall, work got a lot more difficult. It became futile in many ways. It became cursed. The good work that Adam was uh, made to do would now become much more difficult. Rather than his work always being bountiful and fruitful, it would often prove futile. And all of you say amen, right? I mean, you, you've, as a mom, you clean up the kitchen and come back an hour later and what just happened? I just cleaned that up, right? You've done that, right? You as a man have done good work, hard work, and only to see it didn't accomplish what you've wanted. You've torn apart a wall thinking there's nothing there and oh my goodness, your work is sometimes very futile, very challenging. Uh, And so work got a lot more difficult. Now, because of our mandate to work, and because of sin so warping our work, the Bible says a lot about, has a ton of teaching about how to do work as God's redeemed people. It's a major topic from Genesis 3 all the way to the end of Revelation. Uh, because work is a big deal. It's, it's essential to who we are creating God's image. And because work has now become so hard, And because of the fall, we're tempted to laziness on the one hand in in one ditch or to workaholism in the other ditch. The Bible gives tons of information, commandments, data, information about how to work well as God's redeemed people. And one of the most densest part of this teaching of work is the book of Proverbs. It's a central theme in this book. It's teaching God's redeemed people how to work wisely for his glory and the good of others. That's a central theme in this. Uh, and as the wisdom literature does, in the book of, Con- in the book of Proverbs, it, it contrasts a redeemed, hardworking person who works for God's glory and a lazy, slothful, redeemed person who sometimes won't even lift his hand uh, from his dish to put the food in his mouth. So there's this black and white contrast, and we want to sit at Solomon's feet in the book of Proverbs and learn something about work. Now, the book of Proverbs are Proverbs. We, we have to get this straight. Sometimes we take a, a proverb as an ironclad, 100% guaranteed promise. Right? And we'll see that in, in this work thing. It says, as we've read, um, the hand of the diligent will rule. Right? Somebody who works hard will end up uh, owning, will end up leading, will end up with authority, will, will end up with more responsibility. Now, that's not a promise. That's a proverb. It's looking at the world saying, all things being considered, making room for lots of exceptions. Typically, what will happen if you're a hard worker you'll be blessed with authority and wealth and, and leadership. On the other side of it, a slothful person, a lazy person will be put to forced labor. Again, all things being considered, with some exceptions of a very lazy person ending up owning a company, typically if you're lazy, you'll be under somebody else's foot. Right? You'll spend your life being told what to do. So so it's a proverb. It's looking at the world, speaking to God's redeemed people, saying, hey, if you want, as God's redeemed person, for a blessed life or a life of under God's covenant blessing, work hard. Because you'll end up leading. You'll end up with people looking up to you. You'll you'll end up with authority. But on the other side of it, if if not, if you're lazy, then, then you'll work for the man. Right? Now, in our world, of course, because of the fall, that's completely flipped on its head. Our world hates those who work hard and are given authority. They call it now privilege. You have white privilege and masculine privilege and work hard privilege. And, well, the, those who are lazy are, are now uh, elevated. And we don't, we don't buy that. Now, there are some times, of course, where people come to poverty and through no, no laziness, that's true. Uh, 
But our world wants to get it just there. So what I want to do then is take these Proverbs about hard work, the blessing of hard work, and apply it to our new building. Pretty simple. Um, And so there is a good purpose of work. One of the good purposes of work in Scripture is to glorify God, but even more so to bless others. If you remember when I first came here, I preached to the book of Thessalonians. There, Paul commends hard work so that you can provide for others and have something left over, um, or provide for your own family and have something left over for others. The point of our hard work is to provide for ourselves and our family and to help those when there is actual real need. That's the point of it. I want to get that out right away at the beginning because when we consider moving to a new building and all of the hard work, all of the excellent work that's going to be required of us, We have to remember that one of the reasons we're doing this is to glorify God, to provide well for our own family, and so that we can be a blessing to those who need it. The church should constantly be this. This goes back all the way to why God redeemed Israel. God redeemed Israel as a nation out of all other nations so they could be a blessing to all the other nations around them. And Israel, rather than doing that, rather than being the distinct people of God who worked hard for God's glory and the blessing of other people, became like the, all, all the other nations. And so as we move to our new building and we're required with, with all this hard, good work that's going to be required of us, we want to do so so that we can provide for ourselves very well as a church family and then provide uh, for those who are going to be in need. And so as you're over there, and you're filling holes in the concrete, or you're painting a wall, or you're slapping a ripped two-by-six to the wall as a furring strip, do it well, because you want to provide for our own church family, and so you can provide for others when they come in there, and enjoy that. that that's a good thing that God is giving us. So we, we want to do what we do excellently for God's glory, and we want to do what we do so that we can provide well for our church family. And we want to do what we do so that we can be hospitable to those that we will invite and serve through it. Now, this also begs the question, what is a church building for? What's this for? Uh, It has become a mantra for ages past in churches to say that the church isn't the building. Um, And that's a good, that's right. The church is not. Uh, bricks and mortar and stick built walls and so on. The church are, are the people. Uh, we are God's blood bought, spirit indwelt people, and we are the church. We are uh, God's people, visible on earth. We are we we are called Christ's body. We are the physical embodiment of uh, what. Christ would have us be and do in this world. And so the building is a tool. It's a pair of clothes. It's a pair of jeans. They, they should enable us to do what God has called to do us well. And so one of the things that we've talked about as we were considering adding on to our building before this new building came up is our jeans have gotten a, a bit tight. Right? It's like a 25-year-old trying to slip in to her you know, jeans that, that she wore when she was 16. It, well, his. It probably shouldn't do the women thing right there. I don't know. But it's true. Right? Yeah? Yeah? Uh, there, there's not enough room, and you look silly. And, and, and it's restrictive. And we've talked about our building, although we're thankful for it, and we want to have a certain kind of contentedness with it, it's been restrictive. We've had people not come back because they can't get in and out well. We don't have parking room. This room is typically, although maybe not this morning, too full for us. We don't have adequate room for events and classrooms and so on. And so uh, our building is no longer facilitating the kind of ministry we want to do as well as we want to do. It's restricting it. And when that happens, you, you try to do something about it. And that's all we're trying to do with this. So the building is not a God. The building is not a church. The building is just a tool for us to do what God has called us to do as God's people. That's it. 
And we want a good tool. And so we want to do that well. And so our work is to get our building into shape so that we can, as God's family, do this work well. So what I want to do now is turn to the book of Proverbs and look at several of the texts on work and draw out six principles of how to work hard and apply those to our building. Now, this is going to be easily, uh, e- easily? easily applicable to your life and whatever work you're doing. Right? You can take this home and apply it to um, your parenting, to your work in marriage, to your trucking work, to your logging work, to your mothering work, to your work of taking care of your ailing and failing parent. You, you can take this home and apply it anywhere. Now that, that's what Proverbs is for, but I, I want to try to make most of my application towards what we're going to be doing in building a new building. Now, I, I, to the young people here again, um, you are, as you grow older, going to enter into a life of work. And your parents should be giving you lots of work now in order to prepare you for more work then. All right, so parents, one of the things I want to apply this to is you seeing this biblical picture of work and then looking at your child and going, how can I prepare him or her for that? How can I give him or her right, good responsibility and work so they don't grow up being a burden to everybody else around them in their laziness and in their I-deservedness and, and all of that. Uh, and maybe as we build a new building, we could model that for them. And so children, kids, you're supposed to work hard. You want to end your life worn out. You don't want to, ha- you want to have knobby fingers. Uh, you want to have a bad back because you've worked hard. Because you've spent yourself. Uh, mothers are the best picture of this. Their, their lives are not the same after they have a child. Their body is not the same after they have a child. Right? There's nothing so beautiful as a 50-year-old woman with, with still the, the belly bump from having babies. Because right? she's given her body to, to, to have and raise children. They, they spent their lives for their children. They're worn out for their children. That, that, that's what we should be like at the end of our life. Got nothing left. We're, we're poured out because we've worked hard in whatever God has given it to us at whatever season of life. All right, so in Proverbs, uh, let's start in 22.1. I'm going to be asking you to flip around, so keep open the book of Proverbs. I want you to have a Bible open, by the way. If you have it electronically, don't be looking at Facebook or email or anything silly like that. Have the Bible app open. If somebody is looking at Facebook next to you, like knock the phone out of their hands or something. Why would you look at Facebook when God's eternal word is open before you? I am totally serious here. How ridiculous. If you're an unbeliever, uh, you can be looking at Facebook. It's expected. Um, but if you're a believer, don't, don't do that. Uh, grab a Bible. So Proverbs 22.1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, favor better than silver or gold. Now, that, this isn't explicitly about good work, but one of the things I wanted to say before uh, about uh, hard work and even more important than good work is um, something that's earned by hard work and something that's more important than hard work is a godly reputation. Okay? Um, typically, people who work hard uh, and do good work and, and provide good work for a good day's pay have a good reputation. And we as a church want this kind of a reputation. Uh, we want to be the, the kind of church that has this good name, that has this good favor because we have worked hard, we followed through on what we said we would do, and, so we, and because we're godly. So our reputation needs to be biblical. I said this last week, and I wanted to say this here again. I've heard other people say, and you've heard me say it, there are good reasons in the Bible to have a bad reputation. There are times, maybe in your workplace, even in your own home, with friends and family, that because you're taking a biblical, courageous stand, people think bad of you. 
That, that's, that, you, you want to have a bad reputation for the right reasons with the right people. Um, that's actually a good reputation. And so we're not here talking about selling out biblically in order to have people like us. We're talking about because we work hard, because we are trying to grow in holiness, that we have a right reputation. And I think about that as you an individual. Many of you signed up to volunteer and moving over to the new building. And one of the things those who are in charge of it is they're going to be looking at you and saying, is this person trustworthy? Do they have a record of following through on what they said? Do they have a record of being able to follow instruction? What's your reputation here? Do you always have to have it your way? Can somebody tell you to do something a certain way and you just go do it, even if you think it should be done differently? Like reputation matters. And so a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Um, And so right at the front, we want to have a good reputation, a biblical right reputation, a a reputation for being a, a biblically faithful church. And one of the things that can happen is through this process, we can earn that. You can earn that. Second, uh, let's go to 24, 30, and maybe a little further. This is fun right here, uh, this text. There's so much to be gained by it. I passed by the field of a sluggard. <laughs> like the Bible calls names. Get over it. I mean, doesn't that convict you? Aren't you a sluggard sometimes? It's talking to you here. And the Bible is so hard on us. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered. This is going to be what I'm going to ask you to consider here. That line. Then I saw and considered. I looked and received instruction. Verse 32 is the point here. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands of the rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber. And uh, what like an armed man. So one of the points I want to make here is somebody who is working hard is somebody who's always learning. A hard worker is somebody who is not content with their level of skill. A hard worker is somebody who always wants to improve, get better, learn how to do their job more efficiently, produce better. Look at the factory floor and figure out, hey, we're, we're meeting goals, but how can we even do better? How can I learn more? Who, who can do it better? See, what this guy is doing is he is just taking a walk, Sunday afternoon stroll, and he sees something. He sees a, a garden overgrown. And he learns. He takes a lesson from it. He receives instruction. So a hard worker is humble. A hard worker hasn't, doesn't think he or she has arrived. A hard worker learns. And, and then we also see here, no man is useless. You can, you can either serve uh, as a learning tool of how to do it or, or how not to. You can, you can be a positive example or you can be a cautionary tale. And what God's people want to do is they want to learn from both. They want to learn from the people who are doing it well and have a good reputation of hard work. And Okay, how can I, how, what can I learn from this? And you want to learn from the people who aren't doing it well. But hard workers are learning. Now, parents, you are teaching your children how to work every day of their lives. You come home and you grumble about the workplace discontentedness, you're teaching your children that work is not a good gift of God. Uh, and so we are learning, and we, we want to continue to learn by learning. And so as we do this new building, I would, in, I would encourage you where it's right and appropriate to invite young people along so they can learn from you on how to work. So that they can see you cut an angle wrong and not just slap it in place and try to make it work, but go and do it again. Because you want to do it right. That's a good lesson. Right? We, we want to be learners. 
We want to be learners. The second thing to learn from here is you and I have to do nothing uh, for it to go bad. What do you have to do for weeds to grow in your garden? Nothing. You got to do nothing. What do you have to do to have a good garden well kept? To work hard. What do we have to do for this church transition to go well? Other way. What do we have to do for this church transition to, do, to go poorly? You got to do nothing. You got to do nothing. What do, what do we have to do for this transition to go well? You got to work hard. You, it'll go well if you, if you, by God's grace, make it go well. It will not go well if you do nothing. Right, so we, we want to learn from that. All right, uh, back to chapter 21, verse 5. So first, uh, good reputation matters. Second, we need to be a learner. Third, uh, 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, and everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Right, so the plans, plans of the diligent... So here you have hardworking people who do what hardworking people often find it difficult to do, which is do nothing until they've made good plans. Okay? You see that? This is important. Some of you are just go-getters and doers. You just want to get it done. You just want to get going. But there is a right need for hard work in planning before the hard work and working. You can't have one without the other. On the other side of it, you have this hasty person. This is a hardworking person. Hasty people, a flurry of activity, are often seen as hardworking. But they, they haven't thought it out. And so in the long term, they end up giving a lot more work for themselves, but often a lot more work for other people who are cleaning up after them. And so the third principle is here. There is need for careful, thoughtful, prayerful planning, which hopefully we've been doing. We're, we're a long way down the road. Some of you have been impatient with the planning part of it, uh, but there is a need for this. And I would encourage you, as you think about it, like, right, you measure twice to cut once. You've you got to think. Young people, I remember this with my sons. I had these two Kenyan sons who are both physically strong. And, and, you know, like when you're doing work and something isn't fitting, their inclination was just to push harder, just to rip it harder. When if you just stand back and look at it, it's actually a very easy thing. It doesn't require much muscle at all. We want to be those. We don't want to be hasty. Right? Hastiness always gives the appearance of, of, of something wrong. So we want to do hard work. We want to do hard planning as well. All right, now to 14.23, number four. So, so far, a good reputation matters. We need to continue to grow in learning, and we need careful thought for planning. Fourth, it's pipe down and get to work. 14.23, in all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Mere talk tends only to poverty. One of the things you'll notice is that lazy people talk a lot. They're always talking about what they're going to do next. If you have a sign-up sheet in the back, they sign up for everything. They're full of good talk, but short on actual working. Uh, and they're full of excuses. In Proverbs twenty six thirteen, the sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the open square. There's always a reason why they didn't follow through on their commitment. And even if it's a good reason, the simple reality is they didn't follow through. People who talk a lot and are lazy even seem to have great wisdom. Twenty six sixteen. the sluggard is wise in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. Right? Lazy people make all kinds of commitments, have all kinds of talk, there's always an excuse, and everyone around them thinks that they're wise. 
But just look at what they're being, what they're producing. Now, applied to our new building, let's not, let's not talk a big game. Don't, don't tell people what you're going to do. Show up and do it. Don't stand there and tell everybody your great wisdom on how to do something. Work. Don't make excuses. If you tell somebody you're going to do something, you don't follow through, just admit it. Hey, young men, this is especially for you. There is an inclination of young men to talk like they know what they're doing, to make all kinds of boasts and promises and not to follow through. We do not want to do that in our new building or at all. So the next one is just pipe down and get to work. Don't talk about what you're going to do. Let's, just, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's work. So take, take care not just to talk about what you will do. Just show up and do it. All right, now to 10.4. Proverbs 10.4 is number five. Number four is uh, a balance. Number three, which is there is a need for planning. There is a need for talking it out. But uh, four is, let's get to work. Five is diligence. In 10.4, this, this point is probably the main point of all the work teaching in the book of Proverbs. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. There is a need for diligence. We, we read in 12.24, the hand of the diligent will rule. In 12.27, a lazy man does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a man is diligence. Diligence includes working hard. It, it, we have learned from others that we require of our children three things in obedience. They do it right away, they do it all the way, and they do it with a happy heart. That, that's what it looks like to be diligent. We we get things done timely. We do a good job and do it all the way, even cleaning up after it. And we do it happy. That's diligence in the Bible. We, we don't delay weeks and months. We follow through right away. We do it all the way, even to the cleanup. There's one thing my kids got to learn, right? They do the work, but then they leave the rakes and the shovels and everything laying around. It's not done yet. Got to clean up. Right? Moms, you, you, husbands, you could bless your wife by just teaching your kids to pick up after themselves, requiring this of them. So right away, all the way, happy heart. Now, I said in the confession time that diligence includes excellence. We want to do good work. We as Christians in the workplace, in this transition, should be known of all people to be the most diligent people on the face of the earth. And typically Christians are. Typically, Christians are. <clears throat> so God isn't glorified just when we put a cross on it, as Luther said. God is glorified when we do it well, when we do it to the best of our ability, when we take the time to try to do it excellently. God, in his word, has distributed gifts to us all, abilities, talents, aptitudes, and, and one of the things we have to make room for is God has distributed uh, various gifts, different gifts, diverse abilities. And in this building transition, some of those gifts will be more needed and useful than others. Right? And so those of you who have skills in the, in the building trades will be Strongly needed, especially if, you, if you're well-skilled. And those of you, let's say, who have uh, other gifts, maybe music or other gifts, won't, won't be as needed. But, but we shouldn't look down on each other there. We, we have to be careful there. Not everybody's going to be as needed as, every, as, as, as other people in this. So, so we have to be good there. But whatever God has given you, you, you want to you do it as well as you can do it. We're going to need a lot of work here. We're going to need a lot of diligence in the next three months. Awana is planning on starting in our new building at the end of September. Jody is going to need a lot of hard workers in the next two months to get that ready so that we can start Awana September 25th well. We don't want to start it 
half-heartedly. We don't want to start it badly. We want to start it well. So she's going to need workers. Now, she had a meeting there on Thursday, and a bunch of you showed up. Way to go. Let's keep doing that kind of thing. All right, last uh, is 1227. So, so far, we have said that hard work, that this officer's hard work is a good reputation, a need to continue to learn, a need for thoughtful, careful, prayerful planning, a need for less talk and more work, a need for diligence that follows through and gets it done well, and last is endurance. Endurance, 1227. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. All right, so here we have a lazy man who's done the hard work of hunting. Now, if you've hunted, you know that the work begins once the game is down. There have been many times when I've been out deer hunting that I didn't pull the trigger because I thought to myself, I I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to skin it. I don't want to cut it up. I don't, I don't want to do it. And then, my, then I go home and Manny goes, you let another one walk? I'm like, yeah, I just went out there to get away from everybody. Uh, I probably never told her that. I probably just never realized it until now about myself. But here's the lazy man who's, who's scouted out the hunting land. He's put up the stand. He got on his hunting clothes. He went out there. He climbed up in the stand. He did all of the work and and uh, sharpening his shooting skills, he downed the game, and, 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 and then he, he, he won't endure in the work. He doesn't finish the work. In 1924, the sluggard buries his hand in his food, but won't even bring it to his mouth. He won't finish it. He won't endure in the work. Right? And we're told to consider the ant. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise. Having no chief, prepares her food in the summer, gathers provision in the harvest. Oh, sluggard, when will you arise from your sleep? Right, so there's a need to finish the work. There's a need for endurance in the work. Another way to say it is, one of the things that we want to avoid is bursts of activity with lulls of nothing. We, we want to just plod along consistently. Hard work doesn't mean just frantic bursts of activity followed by nothing. Hard work is just plodding along. I think older people, as you've grown in your life, you've come to realize this. It's the rabbit and the hare thing. A lot of young people are the rabbit. They're just... And they don't get anywhere. As you get a little older, a little wiser, you just realize it's just faithful plodding in one direction. And you look back over the months and you get a lot done. We want to endure in our work. We want to beware of hastiness. We want to do that even in this. We don't want to just have a burst of activity over the next month and then just be shot for the next year or two at a fire's ministry. We want to be faithfully plodding along, working hard, working diligently, following through, uh, and finishing what we started. There's a need for endurance here, brothers and sisters. There's a need for endurance in this. All right, so those are the six principles. Now, just real quick, Proverbs not only gives you the principles, it gives you the curses for laziness and the blessing for hard work. <clears throat> I'm just going to give you three real quick. In 10.4, poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. One of the blessings of God on hard work is uh, wealth and possessions. This is not the prosperity gospel. This is, God is not a vending machine. Right? This is in God's covenant as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, counted righteous by the work of Christ. God, as a father, loves to bless the hard work of his children uh, in temporal blessings and in eternal ones. On the other side... Those who are lazy in all the ways that we've seen often are impoverished. Again, these are Proverbs. There are some times where people come to poverty not through laziness. could be through an illness or a tragedy or a natural disaster. But more often than not, in our world, poverty is caused by the sin of laziness. And wealth 
is by God's blessing of hard work, which is alarming, as many are saying, that as generations come up, we're, as a society, getting less and less uh, diligent. So one of the blessings of this is wealth. The second blessing is 12.24. As we've already read, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor. So a blessing of hard work is authority. You can do this in your marriage, men. Uh, You were made to rule your wife. You were made to be her head. But that isn't something that you get to demand. Any guy who goes to his wife and demands her submission doesn't have a clue. It's earned by hard work. It's earned by faithful husbanding. It's earned by the hand of the diligent will rule. A wife is often more than willing to follow the leadership of a husband as he's proved faithful, as he's proved to be a good provider, as he's proved to be wise, as he's proved to follow through in his word. Another way to say this, authority always flows to those who take responsibility. This is Christ. Christ came and took responsibility and did all the work for our sin. And then in Philippians 2, his name is exalted far above all other names. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Right? The hand of the diligent will rule. He took ultimate responsibility, did all of the hard work, and he gets all of the rule. And we as his followers want to learn from him. And this, is, this, this work is often service. On the other side, a slack, hand we push to far, a slack hand we put to forced labor. A curse of laziness is that you get owned. You, you spend your life being told what to do. You spend your life being told what to do in your workplace and, and in your society. The government owns lazy people. They get, to t- they get told what kind of health care they get. They get told what kind of retirement they'll get. They'll get told how much they get to spend on this and that and the other thing. We in America aren't enslaved by uh, other people's will. We, we, we give ourselves over. The third, in 13.4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing but the soul of the diligent is made fat. The third blessing of hard work is actually a satisfied soul. The soul of the diligent is made fat. <laughs> I love that, right? You want to be uh, blubbery spiritually in your soul. Right? right? Because you've worked hard and God has given you a satisfied soul. We saw this in Ecclesiastes. God not only gives us the ability to do hard work, but the ability to enjoy it. And he often gives the ability to enjoy hard work to his faithful people who work hard. On the other side, somebody who is a sluggard often has rampant, unfulfilled desires. They're, They're always trying, but never getting. Unfettered cravings. For the sluggard, a satisfied soul for the diligent. So we want to apply that as we go over here. Let's work hard. Let's follow through on what we say we'll do. Let's enjoy our working together. Let's bless our church family through the gifts that God has given us and giving them over. Let's be patient with each other. Let's set an example for the coming generation of what this looks like to do. Let's set an example for our community. Now, uh, let me repeat again. These Proverbs are true, but they're not mathematical laws or promises. All things being considered, exceptions being noted, these things will be proved true because they are true. Now, I want to end with the gospel here. You are saved by work. I've said this before. You know where I'm going, right? You're saved by work. It's not your work, it's Christ's work. Your salvation, the forgiveness of your sins, the gift of being counted righteous before God, 
was earned by work. And it was earned by Christ in his diligent, glad obedience to the Father throughout his entire life, by his diligent, glad obedience in going to the cross and shedding his blood, and by being raised from the dead, you are saved by the finished, completed, accepted work of Jesus Christ. And, as I said in our Assurance of Salvation in Philippians 1.6, the God in heaven who began this good work in you will finish it. <laughs> Did you hear that? Your salvation, which Christ earned by his work, that God has begun in you, he will finish his work in you. And because of that, ironclad guarantee of salvation gift, we work. We work because Christ has completed his work. Let's pray. Well, Father, we praise you for the good gift of work. We thank you that your son's completed, finished work is ours by faith. And God, enable us then to respond to Christ's completed, finished work in growing as diligent workers ourselves who do it with joy before you. And so, God, strengthen our hands for the work ahead. Help us to endure in it. Give us strength and wisdom. God, help us to do it in a way that honors you and loves each other, patient with each other. And so, God, please uh, help us to work hard for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the charge is this. Eric Liddell, the gold medal Olympian turned missionary, once said, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. I want you to know God's pleasure in your heart and good work. Some of you were made to hammer nails. Some of you were made to do real estate transactions. Some of you were made to make meals. Know God's pleasure in your work. He made you for that work. Know how pleased your heavenly father is. Hear his words as he said to his son, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Feel his pleasure. Why don't you stand for the benediction? Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us the eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strength in your hearts in every good work and word. Amen.